Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. This is the Yanks Go Yard podcast with Adam Weinrib and Thomas Carinante. Welcome to a Thursday edition of the Yanks Go Yard podcast. I'm Adam Weinrib alongside Thomas Carinante. We are 1.3 days into spring training, and the New York Yankees have lost a starter for the year. Luckily, it's the one who we thought they were going to lose. It's not a grand shocker if you're from around these parts. And uh, the Simon 80 source still has no sources, but he still did get this one. No, I'm just kidding. We, I apologize. Uh, we were wrong. Made that very clear. That was accurate information and reporting. And Frankie Montas now needs shoulder surgery uh, and will miss either the full season or the vast majority of the season. That's a good best-case scenario. Uh, and honestly, if he's able to come back by September, show of hands, uh, you, Thomas, from the crowd, who wants to see him come back in the middle of September? Certainly, not, at this point, not me. Not really, like, not really cross my fingers hoping for Frankie Montas on September 15th when I know we have Domingo Herman and Clark Schmidt and probably a trade deadline acquisition. And bottom line, he's not going to be important to the success of this year's team basically whatsoever. Bummer. Not what he was acquired to do. He doesn't matter. What matters is who they gave up to get him and how it's going to hurt them in the near term and the long term. And that brings us to the Brian Reynolds trade request which has not been rescinded yet. Reynolds reported camp yesterday. Yep, this podcast also covers Pittsburgh Pirates camp, and we can talk through exactly what he said that indicated that that saga is not yet over. Plus, Glaber Torres' wish, I don't think it's going to get fulfilled. It's like ESPN's My Wish, where you know that the person who's making the wish, it's already been decided that they're not getting what they want. Uh, Glaber Torres, I don't think that's happening, but we'll talk about the sad reality of his statements and uh, L. Gary Sanchez at the most frustrating possible time shows up in Yankees gear. What does it mean? Probably nothing, especially because Ben Wartvent showed up to camp too, but we have to talk about it. Make sure to find us on Apple podcasts, Google podcasts, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts. But most importantly, live on YouTube, two o'clock Eastern Mondays and Thursdays, catch up with us afterwards with the audio and any of your favorite podcast apps, but the live feed goes up two o'clock. Mondays and Thursdays. Thomas Carinante, uh, all the MLB wrap-up shows and MLB Network or whatever did their sad discussions of how the Frankie Montas injury is going to impact the 2023 Yankees. There was a nice vision a couple of months ago of like, man, can you believe Frankie Montas, the guy that we all know stinks, is our fifth starter? And now that we know he's not going to be, uh, he was an overqualified fifth starter, but not if he showed up looking like he did last year. And now we won't see him at all. So did that really affect you whatsoever? Other than the, damn, that's a bad cash trade stuff. Because, damn, that's a bad cash trade. Yeah, it's bad. Uh, I don't know. There, This is another weird other, it's, it's you love it or hate it on Yankees Twitter. Um, and then you have the people who loved it at the time saying that the people who doubted it are full of shit and they're captain, you know, hindsight folks. And um, they're just, you know, conducting revisionist history. Uh, I don't remember 
uh, there being an overwhelming, you know, round of applause for this when it happened. You knew he, you knew that he was, he was always number two because this, you know, all the fans wanted Luis Castillo. It wasn't going to happen. We moved on. We didn't actually blame Brian Cashman for that. At the time, we were confused, but as time went on and we got more information on what the what the asks were, how high the uh, Mariners were willing to go. It was reasonable that the Yankees bowed out of that, and yeah. I still don't still don't blame Brian Cashman for that. However, Frankie Montas was always a consolation prize. Everybody knew he had the shoulder issue. He missed uh, almost three weeks or two and a half weeks with it. Um, and uh, at the time, I don't know why we didn't look at the home and road splits. But once he had his first bad start, we were like, "How does this guy perform in general?" 4.50 ERA away from Oakland Coliseum. Not good. Um, it, we we didn't look. We didn't look because we wanted to believe. Nobody wanted right. their team to surrender prospects for the number two target at the deadline and immediately be like, don't like it. I'm going to zag. This guy's overrated. You want to believe that Brian Cashman has acquired the final piece for a World Series rotation. Then when you see it in practice, you start digging deeper and you're like, oh, we could have foreseen this. And if we could have foreseen this, then you should have foreseen this. That's what's such a bummer about the MRI discussion. I, I don't have access to the MRI. And I know it's ridiculous to believe that Brian Cashman didn't make an educated decision on this, but whoever was informing him was clearly wrong. So can we talk about that? I don't think Brian Cashman forgot Frankie Montas was injured, and I don't think he decided he didn't care, but I think somebody told him that he was going to check out all right, and he didn't. And, and the injury got worse and worse and worse, and now he needs surgery. So can we at least all hold hands and acknowledge that Whoever's job it was to steer Brian Cashman medically, fuck this one up. Can we, can we say that? We absolutely can. And I think that even outside of that, Cashman should have been treading lightly regardless because his track record of recent years from acquiring with acquiring pitching has been bad. Um, and you look at a guy like Montas, who was traded twice, White Sox traded him to the Dodgers, Dodgers traded him to the A's, one good season – 2021, it was a very good season, a uh, commendable year for him. Uh, but you look at what Yankees, the Yankees gave up, right? And look, none of these guys might not ever pan out. And I'm not saying you prospect hug or whatever, but you gave up four prospects, which is a hefty price to pay. I know you got Luke Trevino as well, so um, that ended up being a positive of the deal. I think he's a very valuable bullpen piece um, and will be huge for us in 2023. But either way, you're probably giving up what? three prospects for Montas. So let's say you tossed in another one for Trevino, which was giving the A salary relief since he made like 3 million last year and was making like four or something this year. I don't know. Either way, those assets could have been used for maybe a Brian Reynolds deal, which we'll get into in a, in, in a few minutes. But Ken Waldachuk was very good. He had proven his mettle throughout the minors. He had gotten to the, he'd gotten to AAA um, and was doing well there. J.P. Sears was had an unreal run at the major league level, pitching for the Yankees, filling in, doing whatever he was asked when he was needed, when it, when it was called upon. Um, uh, Luis Medina was one of the throw-ins. He had Tommy John, so they weren't going to see him anyway. Cooper Bowman was the other one. You know, none of these guys were like overly like, oh, how could you trade them? But you look at how many prospects the Yankees dealt at the deadline last year, um, and it was a lot. And those could have been, you know, more of that could have been used for a larger move instead of settling for the consolation prize. And then the other side of this, right, we'll get we'll get back into the medicals, but I want to talk about how even before the medicals, this was still a problem. You essentially swapped out Frankie, Mon you, you brought in Frankie Montas and you gave away Jordan Montgomery. There are, these guys are not different, and you can even argue Jordan Montgomery's better. He's a left-hander. He induces soft contact. He could pitch at Yankee Stadium. I'm not saying we, you know, that trade was a mistake. Obviously, it came around, and I think it's going to pay. It's going to pay dividends nicely for us in 2023. But then you realize why the Yankees have to make that trade, right? It's because Aaron Hicks's contract is so bad, and he can't play center field anymore. So you've had to. The, the Yankees and Brian Cashman have had to make all these moves because of previous mistakes, and then they're making poor, you know, personnel decisions, thinking that Mont a Montas for Montgomery swap is going to help the team in any way and forget about them, whether you're comparing them or not, you need as much starting pitching as you can get. So the fact that they got rid of a starter and then acquired one who was dealing with an injury, 
left them more exposed because now you're down an extra guy. And then the guy that you brought in could potentially miss time and then ended up missing a ton of time. And the Yankees were hobbled as a result. And then you go back to the medicals. Clearly somebody did not see something that they should have seen. Um, the way that this is all transpired, he hit the IL with the Yankees um, uh, at the end of last year, came back for the ALCS. It didn't even matter. Then the off season, you have this talk, Oh, he's rehabbing, but he's going to miss the first month of the season. It's going to be okay. And then you're telling us on February 20th, or, you know, you're telling us that on February 20th or 21st, he's having surgery. So I don't know who did what or how it happened, but I don't want to see him back in September. That's not going to work out for anybody. Nobody comes back, especially pitchers late in any – look what Zach Britton tried to do. I know it was a little bit different because he went, he underwent a different kind of reconstructive elbow surgery, but what makes you think that somebody like Frankie Montas, who had problems coming back from rehabbing the issue, is now going to come back and use a month to ramp up after surgery and then be ready for the postseason? Absolutely crazy. I don't know how this keeps – but this is a trend with the Yankees. Remember, this is not the first time medicals – have gone awry. This is not the first time injuries have been misdiagnosed. This is not the first time that players have hit injuries from the team, whether that happened here or not. There's just all these wacky occurrences with the health and with the evaluation and with the communication of all this, that there needs somebody, somebody fucked up bad for, you know, this is the most glaring probably at this point, because you surrendered four assets for somebody. And now you just paid probably close to $10 million for six starts. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards tell them to oppose the durbin marshall credit card bill wilson you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer avoiding a 455 meeting on everyone's calendar how did you do it i got a huge assist from grammarly an ai writing partner that helped me make my point and it works everywhere i write summarizing a doc only took one click when everyone uses grammarly everything just makes sense Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. My issue is I don't even care. Like, I don't care if a lot of people are saying, uh, you know, oh, you guys love J.P. Sears and Ken Waldachuk now. You have to prospect hug. Like, Oh, you really believe in those guys, don't you? Okay, I don't really know what I believe, right? But I know that they could have been used better than in trade for somebody who made 10 starts and had a 6.35 ERA, cost $7.5 million for this season yeah. and won't be pitching this season. That's what I know. Um, I, I get very frustrated when people try to just – I get frustrated from both angles, right? I get frustrated when everybody screams at Brian Cashman for things that are obviously prudent decisions – or their default is like, Cashman sucks. Ah, Cashman. God, they'll never win with Cashman. No, they could win with Cashman. And Brian Cashman has pulled off trades that have been under the radar. And we, I'm on record, and if I'm wrong, I'm wrong. I'm on record saying that I don't think you should have made a trade for any of the left fielders available on the market this offseason. As embarrassing it is, as it is to go into the season without a guaranteed left fielder, I don't think that overpaying for any of the options other than Brian Reynolds would have been a prudent move for the Yankees. I commend Brian Cashman for doing that. That said, I also don't have much patience for people who defend even Brian Cashman's biggest mistakes. Uh, they do. They use the Captain Hindsight thing. They talk about how everybody was excited at the time, which sounds like you were excited at the time. Everybody was not excited at the time. And anytime anybody says that, their mentions are sworn by people who were not excited at the time. So it's like, all right, great. Um, and then, uh, you know, Mike Agzisa 
who River Avenue Blues for a long time is now at CBS Sports, summed it up as perfectly as you can, in my opinion, tweeted when the montage surgery news came out, quote tweeted it with, the Yankees have made some really, really bad trades in the last 20 months or so. Then replied to himself with Montas, IKF Donaldson, Gallo, Yeesh. I know you can justify them by saying they made sense at the time, but it's results-based business and those are total done. Isn't that fair? You could justify any of them at the time, except maybe not the IKF Donaldson one, which you honestly could not really justify unless you believe that Donaldson was going to be a 35-over bat. And clearly that was a misevaluation as well. Whatever computations went into the Yankees deciding that Josh Donaldson was not going to regress year over year or the aging bug was not going to catch up to him. They were incorrect in determining that. So I would rank my excitement. I was excited for Gallo because they needed, I was ready. I I thought I was ready for what he was going to be. I was excited. You weren't. I thought I was ready for what he was going to be. I wasn't. He was a hundred times worse than I thought he was going to be. Montas, we were both reserved B, B pluses. And he barely appeared. And it's Brian Cashman's job to know more than we do. And I can't Donaldson. Was excited to get rid of Gary Sanchez. Wasn't yeah. excited about the trade at all. And lo and behold, the cores of people saying they were not excited about that trade were correct. Uh, the Montas thing, I think there are two ways to interpret this. And both are indictments on the Yankees. The one is that whoever's job it was to clear him medically didn't do the job and told Brian Cashman, uh, yeah, we're well aware he had some shoulder stiffness, but we're not seeing anything structural, and it's unlikely to get worse before, like, he, you know, you assume they go through the percentage chances and say there's a 75% chance he makes it to next year's All-Star break unscathed. Of course, there's a percentage chance he doesn't. And then Cashman has to weigh that. There's the chance that whoever did that evaluating was flat-out wrong. That's an indictment on the people that are in Cashman's front office and medical staff and, and whoever they like to listen to. That's an indictment on that mysterious person, which Andy Martino wrote about at the bottom of his column, analyzing the injury and the surgery news, basically saying they harbor no ill will towards Billy Bean. Don't blame him for giving them damaged goods. Commendable. But that somebody, they need to look internally and figure out how how this was okay. That's one way in which the Yankees have screwed this up. The other scarier way is that they went to this person and the person said, Brian, the medical is not going to lie to you. They're not great. There's a chance he could make it through this season and next there's a pretty good chance the shoulder is going to collapse. Uh, and we understand that you're acquiring him at a slight discount. You don't have to give up Oswald Peraza to get him because of those shaky medicals. And Brian Cashman said, uh, yeah, I'll roll the dice. I want to do it. I'm glad I can get out. I don't have to give up Volpe for Castillo. That's a win for me. And then I don't have to give up any of my upper echelon position prospects for a guy that fans are excited about coming in, being a potential number two starter in the playoffs. Great. I'll give up some other good assets for a player who's coming in at less than 100%. And lo and behold, he delivers eight starts last year. Two of them are good. He throws a one-hitter against the Rays in five innings. He beats the Mets at Yankee Stadium. The rest are not representative of all, and and most of them are disasters, and he does not pick up a baseball this season. It's a terrible trade, and it's fair to say that. Um, I don't know who's at fault in the Yankees organization, but somebody is. Uh, At the time, I don't think we thought this was as much of a home run as the Rodon signing, yeah. which could also go awry. We're Yankee fans. We've seen pitchers get injured sure. in this jersey before. Yeah. Um, but I think Mike Axisa is right on the money. It is a results-based business. It's completely fair to say, hey, I had higher expectations, but it's up to Brian Cashman to do his best job of determining what is and isn't going to work out for me as a fan. And he's been wrong a lot of times in a row. The results from the past two years have been, by and large, uh, deemed failures. It's got to be longer than that. The last, what was the last deadline deal that invigor, like reinvigorated this roster? It was 2017 with the White Sox when we got Canely and Todd Frazier um, and David Robertson. I, I like Rizzo. I, mean, I liked Rizzo, although yeah, but I'm that didn't the, reinvigorate the team. The team was it already did for like three days. Yeah, so I'm talking about like change your clubhouse, change your fortune, reverse whatever bad stuff is going on, or put the team over the edge. There has not been a deal that has put this team over the edge since 2017. Um, I liked the Sunny Gray trade. I'll admit that. Not good enough. I did too. I mean, it didn't work out. It didn't yeah. work. So, I mean, like, yes, the 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 idea and practice behind that one was great. Um, uh, Jay Happ worked out, but then you shit the bed by giving him that extension, and then it makes the trade look even worse, in my opinion. Yeah. Um, you have the Zach Britton trade, which was great, and then you gave him the extension, and it pans out for a year and a half. Um, so, again – you cannot predict injuries. We're not going to sit here and pretend like, 
you know, all every injury that happens is the Yankees' fault or it's Brian Cashman's fault. But there is a trend here, whether the decision-making is poor, whether the medicals are not being properly reviewed, um, whether uh, whether the, the risks being taken are just not the ones that we need. Um, like I would have been like, look at the, look at the deadline trades for trades from this past year. You can't predict Scott Afros getting Tommy John surgery, but it happened. Now you lose him and you traded a top prospect in Hayden Wesneski, who's seemingly going to emerge with the Cubs. You traded for Ben and Okay. I think we all liked that at the time. He gave you 33 games. You gave up another, you know, three prospects in that deal. Um, and that was always somebody who, was going to be okay hit for 300 maybe or maybe not give you power because his his batting profile entirely changed um the Bader Monty deal took all of the wind out of the deadline sales everybody was frustrated after that happened um and then you have the preseason you trade Gallo you get something in return I guess that worked out but what Gallo did over the last year completely deflated everything too um so there are like that's so many misses. And I understand Cashman has had wins. You have Clay Holmes, you have Wandy Peralta, you have uh, Jose Trevino, you uh, re-sign Nestor and he turns into a beast. Those are all pretty good. But guess what? The big moves that need to be made to put the team over the hump don't work out. There is a very low success rate with them. Even the Stanton trade, guys. I love Giancarlo Stanton. That trade is a B- minus at best. I tweeted all this. Some of you saw it. Some of you had responses. Some of you liked it, whatever. You can't argue at this point that that trade is anything above a B minus. And I think I'm being generous, but it's honestly an average trade. You inherited a $300 million contract. The guy can't play defense. He's frequently injured. I know you didn't entirely surrender assets for that, but you figured out a way to hamstring yourself with the payroll and you're going to have, look, we're pressed up against the Steve Cohen tax right now. Once again, I understand you do not need a $295 million payroll to be successful, but if you don't have Giancarlo Stanton playing, you know, averaging a hundred games a year, eating up between 22 and $29 million, it changes a lot what you can do. I still like him on this team. I hope he's healthy this year and, and, and kicks ass because when he's, when he's hitting the ball, this team is almost unstoppable, but that's another scenario. You knew his injury history. He had bad knees. He, there, there was a projectability on him to not play defense in a few years. And the Yankees said, Hey, you know what? We'll take that risk. And we'll pay all this money for someone who can only play DH, who might not even be the best DH in the sport. So you look at all of the blockbuster-esque moves over the last, you know, since this window reopened in 2017. And there has been nothing since the 2017 deadline deal with the White Sox that has changed this team's fortunes in, in, in any regard. In, in some ways, it's deflated the team or it's uh, get put maybe too high of expectations on them and they crap the bed. I did like the Rizzo deal, I will say. It didn't change the team's fortunes that season. And now you look at um, Kevin Alcantara, who's kind of kicking ass over there, and we could use a left fielder. Could have maybe just waited till the offseason to sign Rizzo. I don't know. Would that have been possible? I don't know. You mentioned that when writing about it. But it's something worth at least thinking about. I know the Yankees had guys to get rid of, and, and they ended up doing the job. But you look at the totality here, and two or three of these deals maybe didn't need to happen. And then you have, you know, five, six, seven extra prospects to say, Hey, pirates, you know, shut up, take three extra guys and we're on our way. Let's take Brian Reynolds. So um, it's obviously easier to review all this now that we have all the information, but don't tell me what I thought when Frankie Montas was traded to the Yankees. I did. Uh, we have the grades out there. I was laughing that CBS gave it an, an A an A for a guy who had one good year, was injured this year and was pitching. Okay. An A an A is uh, the Trey Turner, Max Scherzer trade. That's an A. That's a fucking home run. Let's uh, figure out how we're regrading things now because that's ridiculous. It's funny, just the intangibles always get ignored too. Um, the, the Yankees try to be too cute by a factor of, of like two or three. The, the Jordan Montgomery, Harrison Bader thing, on the surface, getting Bader was massive. I'm so glad they had Harrison Bader. Yeah. But – the way they went about it was deflating. They clearly, you want to talk about another trade that you can't grade well. They clearly thought they had Pablo Lopez in the bank, somebody who I don't even really want on this roster. But failing to complete the Pablo Lopez trade has led to Glaber Torres uh, having a strange vibe, wanting an extension, not getting it. We'll talk about him in a bit. Uh, deleting social media last summer, hitting 100 for the month of August when they needed him the most. The reverberations of last year's trade deadline, all of which were completed at like, 
3.58 p.m. for the 4 o'clock deadline were so wide-ranging in damaging this roster. Sometimes a team just needs to know you believe in them, and Brian Cashman last deadline operated as if he was not dealing with a group of people. He operated like he was dealing with a group of assets, and he did that poorly. Uh, look at the Knicks and Josh Hart. Did anybody know the Knicks needed Josh Hart before they traded for him? Uh, I mean, I'm not like an X's and O's basketball guy. Obviously, he solved some of their rebounding issues. He's a wing, uh, but his three-point percentage was down, and his tenacious defense has not shown up. He, he's someone who always likes to tell you he's a dog, but he was not playing top-level defense in Portland. So examining that without knowing that he was reuniting with his close classmate at Villanova, Jalen Brunson, without knowing what Tom Thibodeau valued in him, it was easy to say, what does Josh Hart bring to the Knicks? So the Knicks are an eight seed. They're adding a guy whose three-point percentage is down, who hasn't played the kind of tenacious defense that's advertised. He rebounds. But if he can't find that shot, what's his value? Comes to New York and immediately galvanizes the second unit. It's like the most perfect trade deadline addition I've ever seen. He's shooting better from three. It's a small sample size. It's three games. But he's immediately emboldened by the role they're putting him in and by the people they're surrounding him with. And look at Mike Al Bridges over in Brooklyn, looking at the Villanova Knicks going, I wish I was on the Villanova Knicks. Jalen Brunson and Josh Hart work perfectly in tandem. And the Knicks' three most dominant games of the entire season have been the three Josh Hart games. So don't tell me that trade deadline acquisition can't boost the team no matter how marginal it looks. Don't tell me that someone who's underperforming elsewhere won't start performing better if you put them in a better situation. And conversely, don't tell me that you can't screw up a team's chemistry by treating the people on the field as if they're assets on a field. Couldn't have said it better. Uh, that's the whole, that's another part of the argument here. It's, there is no human touch. Um, there's no finger on the pulse. Uh, I know some other people. Uh, yeah, clearly. Um, Brian Reynolds. Uh, so, uh, nonetheless, a lot of people do go super old school and they're like, oh, well, you know, you got to hit singles and you got to move runners over and you got to steal bases. Like, yeah, it's part of the game. Analytics taking over, but um, feels very robotic sometimes what the Yankees do. And that's why it's frustrating. And as for Brian Reynolds, um, the situation in Pittsburgh still is not solved. Um, he did he never rescinded his trade? He arrived at spring training yesterday. Talked about the gap between the two sides in um, the extension talks. Says he doesn't want any you know uh, market setting insane deal, but also is not willing to take whatever the Pirates are offering him, which is bad. Um, and you want to talk about uh, something that would have changed? I don't know. Was Reynolds available at last year's deadline? Did we even know that at that point? I don't um, know. And, and yeah. he was, he had a down year last year. I think the pirates selling him last year would have been an interesting decision by them, but yeah. it's just, it's another example of uh, the way that, you know, you never want the, the Yankees don't operate like a small market team. They signed Carlos Rodon. They gave Aaron judge the money he wanted. It took a lot of pressure to get there, but they got the job done. This is the kind of shit that we're talking about though. Arbitration hearings and the way the pirates are treating Brian Reynolds. Uh, Reynolds came to spring training yesterday and said, I want to be a pirate. I want to extend here. That hasn't changed. I don't even want to blow the doors off financially. Yeah. I don't even need, I don't need to reset the market. I don't need to be paid like a $200 million man, which he would, he would be a Brandon Nimmo. If he hit the open market, he would get 180, 200 in, in the inflated salary space. He goes, I don't even want that. I just want a fair deal. Not player friendly, not team friendly, just fair. He wants something between 130 and 140. The Pirates are offering 70 to 80. And he said yesterday, despite rumors to the contrary, that has not changed at all. He yeah. wants to stay in Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh has not changed their ask. He has not changed his ask. He's no closer to a resolution here. Now, he pulled the Trump card and requested a trade three years before hitting free agency, knowing full well that that's not going to force the Pirates' hand. And in trading him, he, they can do whatever they want. They can keep him under contract. That's the way baseball works. Kevin Durant didn't get his trade request fulfilled. It's not automatic in the NBA either, and then he did. But it's not automatic anywhere in NBA, NFL, MLB. But he tried to put the pressure on to say that we're not close contract extension-wise, and if you want to keep me, then you better meet me somewhere in the middle. And the Pirates keep saying no, which would indicate to me that he's still available. I hope so. I I don't see why that he wouldn't. Um, I understand the Pirates have maybe 
bullish expectations because they think a lot of their young guys will take the next leap um, in 2023. And I'm not going to say that that's not a, that, that that's not out of the question. Um, but if you're that wide in contract gap with your star player, if he is not rescinding his trade request, um, if you feel the situation has reached a point where you need to move on, could still be available. And this is where you go back and you look at all the other deals the Yankees did, whether Reynolds was available at last year's deadline or not is a moot point, but could there have been a world where maybe you save the prospects for Benintendi, save the prospects for Montas and then overwhelm the pirates at last year's deadline with a package of six people, maybe take a salary off their hands that they didn't want. I mean, I don't know. And then you look at the fact, maybe you just rescind the Montas trade from the deadline, and now you have four extra prospects to deal with. I think Waldachuk would have been a valuable asset in this deal. Um, I don't know about Sears, even though he was very good at the major league level for the Yankees. Um, I just looked at his numbers too. He, you know, he started off his career with 12 and two-thirds scoreless innings, which was incredible. Um, and uh, then, of course, the Yankees used him sparingly throughout the month. Of, they used him sparingly the whole season. He pitched twice in April, then didn't appear back for over another month in May, and then for over another month in June. And then he came back and was used oddly in July, and then he was traded. Um, so another way that the Yankees kind of figured out a way to depreciate that asset after he had pitched, again, 12 and two-thirds scoreless innings um, and didn't do much with it. So you just look at it now. And you're just, you're wondering you're wondering what could have been because now the Yankees have essentially done all that they could possibly have done to gut the top end of their farm system with guys that they were willing to trade. They are not really particularly keen on trading whomever is available at this moment, whether it's Volpe, Peraza, Dominguez. Um, I think they're probably holding a little bit strong on Austin Wells. Um, so now that you've limited yourself in that capacity. That's played a role in creating the left field void. And you look at the trade for Benintendi too, right? I'm still not anti that Benintendi trade, but you knew you weren't re-signing him. You knew it. Or else it, it, there is – he got injured. He had a bad 33-game stint with the Yankees. Then he got injured, and then he signed a $75 million contract. So unless Brian Cashman has no gauge of the free agent market – if that was the way that everything transpired and he got $75 million, imagine what would have happened if Benintendi whooped ass down the stretch. A, would that have been a difference maker for the Yankees in terms of what they needed? I still don't know because I still think a healthy DJ LeMahieu is really the key to this team at the end of the day. But you, you, were, willing to, you were willing to give away seven prospects for a rental, a reliever, and then an injured starter who you would have for a year and a half tops why not just try to go eight prospects or something for a controllable outfielder and then maybe whatever else the pirates wanted to get rid of. That's where the, that's where sometimes the creative thinking in terms of these trades seems a little bit easier than, than, than it, than it should be. Maybe it's not that easy, but you look at the situation now where the asking price for Reynolds is sky high um, and the Yankees have absolutely no way to acquiesce that no way, because all these guys are gone now. The thing now, with the uh, yeah, the thing with the Reynolds package is uh, they're looking for high level pitching. We know yeah. that. We've always known that. And and so like they're going to the Blue Jays and saying centered around Ricky Tiedemann, who's like a top. I, I gotta get the MLB pipeline rankings just so I can cite something valid. He, he's a higher ranked pitching prospect at this point than Ken Waldachuk. He, he would be a better centerpiece. But I gotta find. Yeah, he's ranked thirty second in baseball and Waldachuk is 76th, according to pipeline. That's not a be all end all. I trust the baseball America rankings more, but I don't have my online subscription logged in. So you're getting the pipelines right now, but that tells you what you need to know. Like Tiedemann is a Jason Dominguez, Oswald Peraza level left-handed pitching prospect. Waldachuk is slightly worse than that. He's a back end top 100 pitching prospect, but the blue Jays don't have a second piece, especially now they traded Gabriel Moreno to Arizona that they could add to a Brian Reynolds trade that's as impressive as Jason Dominguez. They don't have the offensive equivalent of Ken Waldachuk. So the Yankees would be able to go Dominguez or Peraza and Waldachuk three more prospects, whereas the Blue Jays go Tiedemann, somebody less interesting, and some back-end guys. What do the Blue Jays and what do the Pirates prefer? 
I, I don't know. Maybe they want to take the best pitcher offered to them, and then they would not accept the Yankees' offer, regardless of all things were equal. Maybe they want Kyle Harrison from the Giants. Maybe they want Tiedemann from the Jays. Maybe they want Brian Bayo from the Red Sox. I couldn't tell you. But I do know that the Yankees could roughly approximate that type of package if they still had Ken Waldachuk, and now they can't. Same with Hayden Wesneski, and now they can't. That's just true. Yeah, and I don't – and again – Something you know, Hayden Wesneski, whether they viewed him highly or not. Um, I, I, Scott Efros had like 50, 60 games of MLB experience with that trade. You you trusted Scott Efros that much? I mean, I don't know. I think he I think he could be good. Um, I'm, I'm not I'm not a player evaluator, but he's had a year and a quarter of success at this point, and you were willing to trade a your you know top six prospect. That was a that again could have been could have been used to get something bigger. I don't know what that bigger may have been. Maybe a Juan Soto trade. Again, I don't know. I, that probably was not possible. But you look at the ways where you could have stockpiled these assets more smartly. And for the relievers, like Brian Cashman is can easily pluck relievers out of thin air and figure it out. And he trades a top six prospect for a reliever. I understand Efros is controllable. Um, he's got a funky windup uh, and a nice slider, but. I just that those those guys are churned out fairly quickly. You look at an organization like the Dodgers, and they make it. The, the, the Yankees and the Dodgers are on par with that type of stuff. So, like that's where the consistency of this also is. Like, what are you doing? A top a top six prospect for a reliever, so you can control them for four more years. Like that's how you're evaluating the the, the value of these guys. I don't I don't know. I really don't know. I, I again, this could sound super ignorant because we're looking at this now, you know, zoned out after everything had happened. But to say that people were overly excited about this trade deadline for the Yankees is incorrect. Um, if you were overly excited, it was because the team started to fall off a cliff and you were watching the warning signs and you were like, oh, wow, reinforcements, like little change that could help. And then, like I said, it all got zapped when Montgomery was blindsided with that deal for Bader, who wasn't even ready to play until mid-September. So a lot of this stuff, a lot of these things had criticism attached to it at the time. And now, yes, the criticism has kind of uh, exponentially increased because of how things have transpired since. And that is not unreasonable. It's absolutely not unreasonable because if it was if there was any doubt or lingering or lingering uh, uncertainty at the time, and now all of that stuff has now completely uh, come to fruition to an extent. Then that's that, that that's exactly. If, if it was an out of nowhere thing, if you acquired Juan Soto and he broke his ankle in left field, you're just like fuck. I don't I don't know shit. This sucks. Um, but the Montas situation was not that. The way that these other trades were made and the the value and how it was determined was not that. Um, and speaking of another person who could get traded. Um, Probably should have just done this at the deadline based on how we've deteriorated Glaber Torres' mental state. Um, I don't know who to side with here because Glaber Torres doesn't exactly get me going anymore. And the Yankee, I'm <laughs> fed up with the Yankees on pretty much every level. Um, the Yankees have not exactly treated him the best way. Um, he has also not done himself a favor in any capacity, whether it's from a performance perspective or whether it's from uh, just being a professional and kind of speaking to the media with any sort of, um, uh, you know, uh, guard up without, you know, being as open and emotional as he's kind of been. Um, and then you have his comment yesterday at spring training, the first or second day he's there, he's playing in the world baseball classic. So he's there a little bit early. Um, his arbitration uh, hearing, or uh, uh, I guess lead up to the hearing that would have happened uh, made headlines for a little bit. They two sides couldn't come to an agreement. It was over like a few hundred thousand dollars. And we were like, great, you're going to really go to arbitration with this guy over a few hundred thousand dollars. Just pay him. In the end, they come to an agreement. He's asked at spring training if the Yankees had approached him about an extension during the arbitration talks. And he said, quote, I wish. Why? Why? I just don't understand why. You have a clean slate for 2023. You rebounded. You got over all the trade rumors from August that clearly participated in your poor play because you admitted that you stopped looking at social media after the trade rumors were, you know, at their height. And now you're going to start the season off like this. 
I, I don't know. I, nobody from either party here has learned, and it's, in, it's entirely frustrating. Yeah, the Yankees aren't in a position to sacrifice offense, and so we, I, I'm not, I don't advocate trading for Glaber Torres at the whistle, especially when you could trade Isaiah Kiner-Paletha, who yeah. does not provide as much offense as Glaber Torres. That said, if you're getting mopey Glaber Torres on opening day because he already blew it, then maybe you trade Glaber Torres. Like, Glaber Torres is officially in a camp of guys where if they go off and have success elsewhere, I'm not even going to be resentful because I know what the Yankees are doing to him. They're yo-yoing him back and forth. They're doing things that are clearly adversely affecting him. Maybe he does need to go star in Cincinnati, right? There's a good chance a lot of people lie to themselves when somebody goes somewhere else and dominates. Like, it, it would have never happened here. I, I can honestly say that with Glaber Torres. If he struggles in April and May and gets traded in the middle of June and hits eight home runs in a month for the Guardians, it would not have happened here because the Yankees will have done it to him. They took they, the ball, the juice ball neutered him, obviously. Moving to shortstop, neutered him. Uh, 2021, he's not the same player, striking out more often. Finally, they get him back. He opens 2022 strong. And then what do they do? They float him in trade deadline rumors. He has to delete Twitter. He doesn't go on Instagram anymore. And he's immeasurably worse. His worst month of his Yankee career is August 2022. It looks like all hope is lost. He finds it again in time for the playoffs. And that's great. But he's never again been the player he was in 2019 uh, for a multitude of reasons. But the Yankees certainly not, have not helped him along the way to rediscover it. They trade Gio Urshela, his best friend. Uh, again, not, I'm, you have to treat baseball players like human beings. There are benefits. Not everything is on a Statcast page. Not you can't find you can't find all the information you need in the reds and blues of a Statcast page, or in a more advanced Fangraphs projection. A Zips projection isn't reality, and it might not be reality because maybe your player develops a kink in his swing that he didn't have last year, or maybe his personal life takes a turn for the worse, or maybe he's the kind of person whose psyche doesn't take kindly to being floated and shown a complete lack of loyalty from the only organization that he's known since he was traded back in 2016 by the Chicago Cubs. Labor Torres has been a Yankee for a long time. Labor Torres' career with the Yankees has been an absolute roller coaster. And I think you can earnestly say if he gets traded to a smaller market this year and performs extremely well, that that would not have happened in the Bronx because he wishes he could stay here, but he knows that wish will not be granted. And so if he starts off this season already checked out, I'm going to be really bummed out because this lineup cannot afford to lose offense. If they were going to keep Glaber Torres, they needed to do an excellent job of keeping Glaber Torres happy and ready this offseason. And they threatened salary arbitration, which could be a relationship ender in some cases. They settled beforehand, and they clearly have him in a place where he is wishing for something better, and that is a bad headspace to be in. We'll see what happens when the exhibition season opens, but I am not optimistic. No, I'm not. You have the hustle questions, you know, two years in a row. Um, he wasn't able to handle the transition to shortstop. Um, it is what it is. Some, the, the, I, I think a move to shortstop at that point was difficult, but um, it was clearly something that he was entrusted to do. Um, and it, it couldn't have been a bigger failure. I don't, I honestly, like, I don't know if, if there is a bigger failure than, than the, the attempt in, in that. And that's by both parties. A, the Yankees should have pulled the plug longer. B, the fact that Glaber couldn't get on track in any capacity with his defensive fundamentals or even offensively is, is really puzzling. Um, and then the way the Yankees handled that, Oh, he's a better second baseman. Oh, he's out of shape. Oh, you know, we wish, you know, the dedication here and there was a little bit better. And then Glaber saying, I don't really care what anybody says about me. It's like, all right, so you guys are just acting like children and this is what we're going to have to deal with. But yeah, clearly the Yankees, again, no finger on the pulse. If they hadn't learned at this point that Glaber Torres is clearly a uh, um, a player who relies on his mental state, you know, and and mental health in that regard, with stability and uh, comfortability, then and the, and th then I don't know what they're doing because they continue to act to the contrary, and then I don't know why they would think that they would get different results if they continue to do the wrong thing, which they've done now since the start of the 2020 season. Um, so I don't know. That's why I'm on board with trading him because clearly the Yankees are not willing to budge. He is who he is and that's not going to change. So free up the 10 million, um, figure something else out. I don't, I, I don't know what the answer is, but like, yeah, like you said, if this, if the, if he starts deflated in 2023, um, I just don't want to have to 
talk about that or think about having to have DJ play second base full time or worry about bringing Anthony Volpe up early if he's not entirely ready yet. Um, I don't want to see another, you know, lack of hustle play. I don't want to see poor body language, which we already get with, I guess, Aaron Hicks from time to time. Uh, this team needs to be ready to go at the onset, um, and that that's the end of it. Um, will they be ready, though? Will they be ready with Gary Sanchez as catcher? I don't know. What is this, dude? What is this? What is uh, this? Well, my only question about Glaber still lingering is, who would you rather have on your team? When challenged by the front office, Glaber has these meek responses like, I wish I could stay here, or would you rather have Alex Verdugo, who says, fuck you, fuck off, I'm not doing what you tell me. Like, would you rather the, the weak guy or the rage against the machine jerk off? Who? I don't know. I'd probably rather the rage against the machine guy just because you know that there might be a chance that him saying fuck you means he's going to play for himself. And if he's going to be able to motivate himself, like with, and Alex Cora's comments were not even crazy. It was like, Hey, this guy needs to step up. He has high expectations. Like we're waiting for the turn. Um, I, I like the fire better than the, you know, the Eeyore shit where it's like, you're feeling bad for yourself and you know, Um, you're, you're unable to kind of get beyond whatever criticism it is or whatever, whatever perceived slight there was. Um, it's tough because that's part of the job with being a high profile, you know, athlete, or even just somebody in the spotlight celebrity, you got to be able to let some of these things go. And clearly Glaber has not been able to do that. Um, and I feel bad because I could sympathize with that. I'm, I'm mentally weak in many ways. I get my own head about, I get in my own head about some of you fuckers commenting on this shit. So yeah, I don't like I don't like the Twitter. I don't like the Twitter discussion. No. Uh, it does make me vow to be a better person uh, yeah. on occasion, I guess. Um, but I mean, speaking of uh, mental duress and damage, Gary Sanchez, his agent said a couple of months ago he blamed the Yankees yeah. and the men- and the mental duress that the fans put Gary Sanchez through as the reason that relationship ended early as the reason for his lack of success over the last 2020 and 2021 uh, 2020 Gary Sanchez was probably the worst 60 day stretch I have ever seen a baseball player. have. he hit a grand slam against the Mets in extra innings. That was very funny. Other than that, he was completely unworkable. 2020 is unlike any other season. So you can throw it out for some people. The Yankees best offensive player was DJ LeMahieu. Second best was Jackson Frazier. So 2020 is extremely strange. But he came back in 2021, he was league average offensively, and he was bad defensively, 99 OPS plus now, which you need 110, 115, 120, 125 out of that position. If you're taking that defense, that's what you need offensively. They didn't get it. They send him to to Minnesota, where he's a part-time catcher, part-time DH. They take the emphasis off him, the glove, and he hits worse. He's in the 80s for an OPS plus. And his agent still blames the Yankees for what they did to him for the reason he can't bounce back. Sure. Why was Gary Sanchez working out in Yankees gear this week, if that's the case? Relationship not fractured? Does he feel better about the Yankees than he did a year ago? Uh, He's still a free agent unsigned. Is there any chance they bring him to camp on a minor league deal? I'm still not interested. I'll tell you that much right now. But we did have the whirlwind a couple weeks ago of, of people saying this is a good fit for the Boston Red Sox, having to come to terms with that. I think if, if Glaber or Gary or any of these people explode with the Red Sox, that's a whole different thing. Then I'll be furious. Uh, Gary Sanchez is not somebody I want to see go to Boston. But then when I see the possibility, I see the Yankee logo on the shirt. I'm like, man, I really don't want him back either. So where are you on this? I, I don't I don't think we need to be worried about this yet. I don't think no. Gary Sanchez will come back to New York, especially after his agent went that went so far as, as to mention that. Maybe he just wanted to remind people of who he used to be, considering he is still unsigned. Maybe he wanted to say, remember – Yankees me, I was pretty good, uh, but uh, I can't imagine him coming back here. Yeah, I think that would be too nuanced. I think he's just using shitty clothes to sweat through when he's working yeah. out. Uh, that's yeah. you know that's what I do. I have my own. That's what I use when I go for runs or team warm-ups. Um, that's what Gary Sanchez is probably doing. I don't see a world in which he comes back here. You want to talk about fracturing a relationship? You have the 2020 season where – he was benched for Kyle Higashioka in the playoffs and came out after that season and said there was absolutely no communication in regard to that. Um, again, we don't know how true that is because the Yankees are never going to say anything on and weigh in on anything controversial. Um, but not only do you have that, but 
the defensive issues when he was in New York. And I think, you know, the fans did go at him fairly hard. Um, we are guilty of that too. It was very frustrating him and Glaber in the same boat. Like they got off to these insane starts where anything less than what they were doing was naturally just going to kind of result in a little bit of grief to an extent, but not only did they not sustain that they went in the complete opposite direction. They, they, they hit the other end of the spectrum where it was like, are you sure you're an, a, an, a, like above average replacement, like player. I, I don't even know if that's true. Um, Cause you see so like, you saw so many of the holes in their game and the way that they were affected. And then to put the cherry on top, Gary Sanchez was treated in that twins deal. The literal point of that deal was to get rid of Gary Sanchez. Yeah. It was not to get a new third baseman. It was not to get a stopgap shortstop. It really was not because the, the, the Yankees could have gone a multitude of other ways. The reason the Yankees made that deal was to get Gary Sanchez off the roster and not have to non-tender him and look like idiots in his final year of arbitration eligibility. And that was the message that sent. That message sent that message said, Hey, you guys get out of here. We don't, and it was I think it was disrespectful to Gio Rochelle as well. That's why I don't see a reunion ever happening there. I think Gio is also in his uh, final year of arbitration eligibility too, so don't count on that next season. But um, that trade was a clear get out of my life. We don't even care what's going to happen with with this deal. We're going to put this guy at shortstop who isn't a full-time shortstop. We're going to put a 37-year-old at third base, and we're just going to see how it works. Um, I don't and, – and both of them turned out very poorly. So the fact that the Yankees were willing to take that risk and eat all of the money that they ate in that deal when they could have done something more creative um, clearly was – that that was a gut punch that that would have been a gut punch for me if I was Gary Sanchez so I don't know why he would want to come back here I don't know why the Yankees would even be interested in rekindling the relationship after all the damage that's been done so um yeah just chalk this up as Gary wanting to uh sweat up and stink up his shitty old Yankees warm-up clothes because I think that's all this is dirty laundry all around before we sign off i want to say a fond farewell to tim mccarver yeah his passing was announced uh during this podcast while we were live um i just like the voice of our childhood voice of every big game on fox and the actual for me i don't know how you feel but the textbook definition of not knowing what you got till it's gone i grew up um and my mom didn't like tim mccarver and i think it was sort of a running joke that too verbose you know he's doing a lot of talking and, and big moments maybe you should be stepping away and he's got he's always got something a little weird to share um but then as soon as tim mccarver was gone and we all got john smoltz i was like my god i miss tim mccarver like yeah. the gravitas he brought to these games and the anecdotes aren't so bad i mean as a kid you take on what your parents say and what they like and, and i was like yeah he's annoying but then as soon as i when i got older i started to form my own opinion i love tim mccarver it felt like the world series when you had fucking mccarver Losing Buck and Aikman in the NFL this year is pretty weird. Uh, losing Buck and McCarver um, from the MLB booth was was completely, uh, you know, sort of shattering. And, of course, his last World Series was the fucking Red Sox and Cardinals. Because, uh, of course, it was. So, like, the Red Sox win the World Series. And then also you spend that night watching Tim McCarver's final sign-off. Pretty depressing. Um, an all-time giant in the broadcast booth. And, uh, yeah, I miss I, – I, I thought Joe Morgan was silly when he was doing the Sunday Night Baseball, but I miss him. John yeah. Miller is still with us, but I don't hear him on national broadcasts. And uh, McCarver is a huge loss for the community. He was there's Dobie Legend. Yeah, that was the trifecta, and Joe Buck obviously. Joe Buck not doing. I think the trade off with Joe Buck and Joe Davis is actually like the one that we're going to be able to uh, handle. But losing losing McCarver in the booth and having Fox solely transition, and then whatever the hell's happened with ESPN over these last couple of years, man. <laughs> Just not seven good. man, yeah, seven person booth. Um, so like volatile. The Apple, TV, the Apple TV stuff, like Katie Nolan's in the booth, just like yeah. rolling around. Like apparently she's not going to be in there this year, and they're going to go with the more traditional setup. But like Katie Nolan and Hunter Pence just chilling, watching a national game. It's like, what is this? She yeah. hates the Yankees. Why is she doing Yankees Red Sox? This is <sighs> not know. fair or nice. Um, and you just you miss the those big moments. Uh, some things don't need to be trifled with or experimented with that much. I don't really need like a funky booth where they're like, hey, they're doing it from different locations. They're doing it upside down. It's more like a podcast. You know, people are calling yeah. in. Like, I like the K-Rod as an alt feed. I obviously like the Manning cast. But I like that there are just two people in a booth 
yeah. talking about the sport that is happening on the field uh, and giving it the respect it deserves rather than having like a five person free for all uh, giggle fest. And I don't think, I bet Tim McCarver, uh, if he had been brought up in that world, would have been pretty uh, insufferable too. Cause he never would have known when to stop talking. I bet it would not, I bet the free for all in the booth would not have gone great for Tim, but there was nobody better in his role. And he was a former uh, MSG commentator, used to do the Yankee games uh in a bygone era before you know we had uh access to that before the yes network and all that but uh yeah yankee uh, cardinals blood obviously but but also yankees blood for tim mccarver and uh yeah that was that that really stunk uh that's that's a tough loss yeah i gotta appreciate the stability i mean you don't see many people in the booth that long 96 to 2013 that's 17 years that's a that's a long career being in the spotlight you know his broadcast career started in 1980 so um, whether you liked him or not, he, uh, he was able to last that long. He was well-respected. Um, his insight on the game was great. His ability to carry, a, you know, be, be, be one of two people to carry a broadcast for that long, um, was, was, was admirable. So rest in peace to a true legend. Yep. And, uh, beyond that, uh, something else I want to talk about and what it is, I don't know. Oh, uh, it's what I, it's what I said to you. Uh, that they're they're giving away Brett Gardner's locker, and uh, they're they're finally giving away Brett Gardner's locker in spring training. It was unoccupied last year. I guess they thought he was going to walk through that door. I guess we all kind of thought he was going to walk through that door. They're giving it away for the first time this year. They're giving it to Aaron Hicks. What does that say? No. Let's say he's embedded on the team. Does that say he's being you know elevated? Is is that somebody they thought needed a pick me up? Uh, NJ.com put out the headline. Yankees say goodbye to Brett Gardner, comma, give his locker to underperforming veteran, which is so fucking mean and is the kind of headline you do when you're 17 and you're a Bleacher Report contributor and you're like, no one will ever see this. Like, I make it mean as hell. And then it blows up and then the player shits on you on Twitter and then you're like, oh, I'm actually a big fan. Like, that's how mean that headline is. So I'm going to ignore that headline. But, yeah, Aaron Hicks is getting the coveted Brett Gardner spot next to Aaron Judge. I guess they want Judge to captain him up, but I'm reading the uh, reading a Yogi Berra biography right now, and Yogi managed the Yankees in '64 right after he retired. They made Whitey Ford his pitching coach, even though he was still an active player. And they made they were like Mickey Mantle and Whitey Ford are going to have a lot of responsibility for the younger kids in the clubhouse because they know Yogi, and it just didn't work that way. Like they still fucked around drinking. And they partied like they always would. And Whitey Ford was a coach and a pitcher because they just they played with Yogi Berra for like years and years. I don't think that Aaron Hicks is going to suddenly see that Aaron Judge has been named captain and be like, oh, I got to get in line and start following. Him. If he wasn't following him already, he's not going to start following a younger player now. That could only lead to more headaches for me. But hey, who knows? Who knows? Um, this is weird. Am I reading this incorrectly just before we get off? Garrett Cole on always feeling like the team he's on having a chance to win the World Series. Quote, I mean, maybe there was a bit more hope when I was on the Pirates. What does that mean? What does that mean? Am I reading this incorrectly? It's from Chris Kirscher. He just tweeted it right before we were able to log off. Um, uh, yeah, I don't know. Now, now I'm mad. <laughs> I'm, I don't even know why I'm mad. I just, I'm mad. So uh, I guess we'll just go to bed with this and try to decipher what it means. Maybe we'll get something up on yanksoyard.com for you guys. But um, Yeah, I mean, the Astros are also closer to contenders when they had Garrett Cole. No. Um, maybe just because it's the first time that the Pirates were good in any capacity. It was like fans felt hope when he arrived after feeling no hope. Maybe there's a typo in here. And he meant then went then when I was on the Pirates, I don't, I don't understand this at all. I don't know. Like I said, now I'm fucking mad. So that's well. The that's replies how are gonna. Ta- Kirshner is gonna have to clarify this because the replies are gonna be like, what? What? Yeah. <laughs> have to be like, no, no, I typoed. Or like he was referring to. He said it in this tone of voice. He was doing an Abe Lincoln impression. Like we we need to know more context because I don't understand uh, what that means at all. I'm not mad. Uh, I swear I'm not mad. I'm not. I'm not owned. I'm not. Owned. I am. I'm not triggered. I'm not triggered by the Frankie Montas uh, trade. I'm not triggered at all. I'm not triggered by the fact that they paid him 7.5 million dollars and then paid him to have surgery. I'm not. I'm not triggered by that at all. Um, no. I, I good luck in se- September 8th. Frankie Montas start is going to be absolutely electric. That's it for this edition of the Ace Go Yard podcast. Make sure to find us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify. 
and on the Simon Eddie Sources Twitter feed where he's stomping all over us and lighting us on fire. Uh, you can also find us live on YouTube at 2 o'clock Eastern Mondays and Thursdays. The audio feed will be on all podcast platforms after this. Please drop us a line in a five-star review. It's much appreciated seeing the reviews go up lately. If you've got a question you want answered, let us know. Our friend who leaves the negative reviews has not done it in a while, but it would even be nice to see you. How are things? Check in for a little bit. Uh, until next time, I'm Adam Weiner. You can find me on Twitter at Adam Weiner. Thomas Carinante, where can the people find you? I'm at Tommy's underscore takes. We are both at Yanks Go Yard FS, the official Yanks Go Yard Twitter account. Um, head on over to yanksgoyard.com. Our bylines are there. We're getting plenty of content up. Spring training's here. Pitchers and catchers reported. Some players came early. Aaron Judge is there having some fun. Um, we're going to get some more stuff related to that up for you. But in the meantime, hang around, comment on some stuff, spur some more conversation. We're all for it. We'll talk to you again on Monday. Have a good weekend. Enjoy. Enjoy, guys. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.